Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king, then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That's, a, uh, that's an awfully good text in which Jesus is uh, confronting, confronted by a world power, a king himself, Pilate, who was actually not a king but a governor who was a representative of the king. Now, the question he asked was, are you a king? And, and all of the texts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, actually record this event where he asked, asked that question, are you a king? And the uh, other texts tell us, some of the other texts, for instance, in Matthew and, and Mark, they tell us that the uh, Sanhedrin, which were the rulers of the children of Israel at that time, they confronted Jesus before he was brought to Pilate, and they asked him something of, of the same question, not exactly the same question, but they, they asked him, uh, are you the Christ of Israel? Now, Let's look in chapter, Luke chapter 22, verse 66, and read this text. It says, As soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and scribes came together and led them into their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, I will tell you, and you will not believe. And I, if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man, and I want you to underscore this in your mind at least, Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Now you can't get any higher unless you're exalted over the Father than sitting at the right hand of the power of God. So that's what Jesus is saying. You're going to see that. And he's taking that from the book of Daniel in chapter 7. If you have your Bible and you'd like to open that at verse 13 and 14, and let me just read these, these verses very quickly for you. Because in this context, uh, Daniel is interpreting a dream, and in that dream he saw one like unto the Son of Man. It says in verse 13, he said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and uh, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So what Jesus is saying at this point is, and what Daniel is saying is, that the one he's talking about is going to be exalted above all nations, kingdoms, and dominions, and languages. He's going to be the, the exalted king, the one who's above everything. Now, I, I think everybody knows what a kingdom is, what a king is. We know what a king is. He has absolute, unquestioned authority over all of his subjects. Now what Daniel is talking about and what they're asking about and Pilate is asking about 
is, is he the king over all, get it please, over all the world? Over everyone? Is he the king? That's, that was the question. Now, they, rec they, they identified, and I want to look at this real quickly for you who are taking notes. In Luke chapter 22, at verse 2 and 3, they identified, that is the Sanhedrin identified, and let me quickly say this before I go to this text. I'm talking to Bible believers. All of you are. I know you are. I know you believe everything written in the Word of God. I know you believe all these texts. I know you believe that what is in God's Word is permanent. And it defines us, and it directs us, it consoles us, it comforts us, and it gives us all the direction we need in this life to follow God, to be pleasing to Him. And furthermore, guarantees that we'll have a place reserved for us in heaven, not on this earth, in heaven. Now that's what Jesus told Pilate, remember? He said, my kingdom is not of this earth. We have to keep that in mind. Keep that in mind, because I'm going to tell you some things. Now in Luke chapter 22, at verse 2 and 3, it says, it says there that the, uh, the, uh, the priest, let me, let me see, I may, I may have the wrong verse here. Luke 23, I'm sorry, I, I said Luke 22. Luke 20, 23 at verse 2 says, and they began to accuse him, that's, that's the Sanhedrin, the Jewish uh, leaders. They began to accuse him saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation, saying that he himself is Christ a king. Okay, they equated the term Christ, which was promised in the Old Testament, with the king. So when they're talking about Christ, they're talking about a king. So we, we don't want to get that confused because they, they never use, actually use the term, are you a king? They're asking him, is he a, are you the Christ, the Son of God? They're asking him that question. But they did believe that the term Christ was tantamount to king. So they were talking about one who would be not only the high priest who would stand before God and representing all the people, but he would also be the king who governed all the people. Okay, everybody with me so far? Now, every one of these texts, every one of the contexts that we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, actually were asking that same question. Are you a king? That was the question that they were asking. Now, most of the time when I'm preaching to you or to any audience, the majority of time is that I, I start out and I start preaching and I hope that you catch up as we go along. And I give you hints as I'm going along, and I give you indications as to where I'm going, and I'm hoping that you're sledding along with me like you're, like you're working with me behind me but catching up, that you're coming along until finally I can show you what I'm talking about. Right? You may not have noticed that, but that's what I try to do. Some of you will come up later and say, I, I know what you, I, I, I can see what you're talking about about halfway through. Chip usually tells me that. <laughs> but basically, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to do like a, an old preacher that I once heard said. When we, he was asked the question, he said, the, 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 somebody came up to him and said, the preacher, how do you do this? How do you preach? And he said, well, here's what I do. He said, first of all, I tell them what I'm going to tell them. He said, and then I tell them. Then he said, then I tell them what I already told them. Okay? 
<laughs> so that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Then I'm going to tell you. Then we'll go back and look at it. What I'm going to tell you is this. That there is a concept out there that Jesus Christ is not, at this point, the ruler over all the world. That he's, he's not ruling now, but he will one of these days come back and sit on an earthly throne in Jerusalem and rule all of humanity. That he's not ruling right now. So what I'm going to tell you is I'm going to show you from the scriptures where Jesus is right now. And the reason is because if you don't believe that he's on the throne right now in heaven, ruling, that he's, he's not going to come back and take another lowly position like he had before, but he's there now. If you don't believe that now, you're, you're depriving yourself of some wonderful blessings. And you're depriving yourself of giving glory to God, the glory that his son needs, because he is, in fact, according to the scriptures, and I'm talking to people who believe the scriptures, according to the scriptures, he is right now the Lord over all, the whole world, the whole universe. He's not only Lord over all our world, he's Lord over the angels and the demons. He's over all right now, right now, this day. So when we praise him, we have to praise him in that vein. We can't say, Lord, when you come, when your kingdom comes. And that's the point sometimes when we read the Lord's Prayer, remember? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What he was saying was when your kingdom gets here, your will should be practiced. Well, it's here. He's the king over the kingdom, and his will should be being done now. That, that's the point. Anyway, that's what I'm going to tell you. So you can follow along, and we'll look at the verses, because I know you believe the Bible, you believe the Word of God, and so when we look at these verses together, you'll say, yeah, that's what it's teaching. That's what the Bible's teaching. That's what I should be believing. That's why, why, how I should be behaving in my life. Okay. First of all, let me, let me show you that, that uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus arrived on this earth as a legitimate successor to the throne of David, the king. Now, David was the best king that Israel ever had. And probably the best earthly king, in all likelihood, was the best earthly king, the one that sat on an earthly throne that ever established a kingdom on this earth. Well, that's what the Bible says anyway. Second, or first Samuel 16, verse 1, tells us about David being chosen after Saul, whom the people chose for a king. After Saul was chosen, then God chose David to be the king. So in 1 Samuel 16 at verse 1, it said, The Lord said unto Samuel, How, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil, and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So he was selecting David. And at verse 12 and 13 in 1 Samuel 16, it says, He sent and brought him in, talking about David. He was, he was last in line because uh, because. David's father had had more sons Jesse did and he said he brought him in now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at and the Lord said arise anoint him for this is him then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward so Samuel rose up and went to Ramah now I'm skipping ahead to 2 Samuel 7 at verse 8 
which is another context about David. And it says, Now therefore, so shall you say unto my servant David. This is Nathan the prophet talking. God is sending Nathan to talk to David. David's in his old age. He says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. So we knew, we know that God actually selected David. It was his personal selection of a king to reside or preside over Israel. And then in 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, it says, When your days be fulfilled, and you shall sleep with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, which will proceed out of your bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, those of you who studied the Bible understand he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the successor to the throne of David. So he's talking about Jesus and his seed. And he says, He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So I'm going to establish his throne. Psalms 89, verse 3 and 4 says, <coughs> Pardon me. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. Selah. Talking about David. Talking about Jesus now. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We know he's talking about Jesus in this context. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Jeremiah 23, verse 5 and 6 says, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel will dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Okay, all of this tells us that a king is coming who is going to be descendant of David. He's going to rule over all the earth. Obviously. The only earth they knew, of course, was the same earth that we know. Anyway, when Jesus came into this world, he came as a direct descendant of David. So he is a successor to that throne. In Matthew chapter 1, at verse 1, it says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So uh, here we have the, the Holy Spirit through Matthew telling us that in the generation or genealogy of David, Jesus came. He is the son, he's, he's part of that genealogy. And when Herod heard that the son of David, the heir to his throne, to David's throne, had arrived, he got excited about it. Herod heard it. Her, Herod was a tetrarch. There are three of these guys that ruled over the area of Judea and Galilee, and they were all of, the, of this, this particular family, the Herod. But Herod was one of them, Philip was another one, and so forth. Anyway, he was, he was one of those who called himself a king. And when he heard that Jesus was born, and he heard that it was the son of David, he got upset. He got troubled. Verse 1 in Matthew chapter 2, it says, When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Look at the question he asked. 
Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now you look back in the Old Testament as I did just a while ago, and you'll see he's not just the king of the Jews, he's the king of all dominions. But they thought, at this point, he's just going to be ours. In other words, he's ours, we're going to get him over here, and we're going to keep him with us. He's our king. That's why Herod was upset, because he thought, I'm their king. So it says, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Everybody was upset about it. (coughs) Pardon me. (coughs) Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 9 says, But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. We're back to this idea. When Peter announced to his compatriots, in Acts chapter 2, you remember the Holy Spirit came upon those who were gathered in the city of Jerusalem? The Holy Spirit came upon them, and Peter and the apostles went out and stood in the multitude in the city of Jerusalem, the city of the King David. They stood out preaching about Jesus and preaching about this heir to the throne, the successor to the throne, who was Jesus. And what Peter said to them in Acts chapter 2, verse 29 was, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. Why would he want to talk about David? Because David was their king. And because those promises in the Old Testament was, there's going to be a seed of David that I'm going to set upon a throne that's going to rule all. All dominions, nations, tongues. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a king that rules everybody. Not just you. Although they would never quite accepted that. But over all. Now, he said... Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that is to David, that of the fruit of his loins, according to flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Remember that term, Christ and king, are almost interchangeable in the attitude and disposition of the text of of the New Testament. He said, He seeing this before spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus has God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, by the right hand exalted, having received the promise of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. Okay. He received of the Father the promise. The promise was he was going to receive the throne and that authority. Now, in Luke chapter 22, at verse 66 through 70, it says, and as, it, as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and scribes came together, led them into their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? He said, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, neither will you let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Now what Peter was preaching on Act, in Acts chapter 2 was the fact that Jesus had been raised from the dead and was now at the right hand of God in power and in his kingdom. Okay, let's, let's go from there. He ascended into heaven after his resurrection, and he was coronated by his father, and he became the king or the prince of the kings of the earth. Revelation 1 and verse 5. He now is the king. Not only the king, he is the only king. Revelation 17, verse 14 says, These shall make war with the Lamb. The Lamb shall overcome them. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. 
Now, Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's not enthroned on the earth, but he is enthroned in heaven, where God's throne is. He's on the throne. That's where he is. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. This text says, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, But not every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. He went down in death and he came up in life and in everlasting power. Now, I'm, I'm emphasizing the fact that he's on the throne. I'm emphasizing that because that's what the Bible tells us. That's what the Scriptures tell us. The key to recognizing that Jesus is now at the right hand of God and ruling as a King of Kings is to realize that Jesus is ruling from heaven over the entire world. That's where he's ruling. That's his rule. That's his throne. He's ruling from heaven. His kingdom is, as he told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, it's not an earthly kingdom. It's in heaven. Now that's hard, hard for some to grasp. Nor is it ever going to be on this earth. That's even harder. He is not coming back, according to scriptures, he's not coming back and being demoted and placed on an earthly throne in an earthly context. He is where he's going to be. He is where he's always going to be. He's on his throne. He's not going to be dethroned. He's not going to be demoted. He's going to sit on that throne where he is now, and he's going to be adored on that throne and obeyed at, on that throne. Now, Isaiah 66 at verse 1 says, Thus saith the Lord, and listen carefully, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. I'm just, that's all I'm going to read about. You can read the rest if you want to. He's talking about the house. What house will you build me? But he's saying, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Now that's quoted again for us in Acts chapter 7, verse 48 and 49 by Stephen as he was preaching to the Israelites because they expected their king to come and to the city of Jerusalem and sit on a throne in the city of Jerusalem. That's what they expected. And he's told here, and it's, it's also found in the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 34, the same, same verse. Jesus is on the throne, my friend, not on the footstool. Do you get the implication? That's important. That's an important implication. When someone believes that he's not on his throne now, that he has to come back to his throne on this earth, they're talking about him coming back to the footstool instead of the throne. And that's critical. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22 through 28, As in Adam all die, even so Christ shall be made, in Christ shall all be made alive. Every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ that is coming. Then comes the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. So there's a coming a time when he comes back and he'll give the kingdom back to his Father. But right now he has the kingdom. He has it. And it says, he, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and all power, he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. 
So he's going to reign in heaven where he is right now at the right hand of God until death is completely destroyed. What then, you say? Well, everything's going to be gone. What then is, there'll be a resurrection. That's what then. Now, let, let me uh, say something as easily as I can here. That oftentimes the book of Revelation has been misinterpreted to teach that Jesus is coming back to this earth and he's going to reign on it. David's throne for a thousand years until he gets everybody under control. That's a misinterpretation. That would take Jesus off of his throne and put him on his footstool. That's a problem. It's a problem because it makes us think less of him at this point than we should. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he is now. And he needs that from us, and we're the only ones who are going to give it to him. That adoration. And that reference, that that's where he is. Now, let's, let's look on a little bit further. It says, He has put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under him, he has manifested that he has accepted that put all, put all things under him. That is, the Father's not under Jesus. Jesus is ruling with the Father on the throne, on his right hand. When all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Now, Jesus was resurrected after 40 days. He appeared for 40 days. After 40 days, I should say it this way. Jesus was resurrected, and after 40 days, he ascended back into heaven in the clouds. And that's when the apostles began to preach that he was the Christ, Son of God. And that's the text we took in Acts chapter 2. And he took his place at the right hand of God. And that's where he's ruling. That's where he will rule until he delivers everything to the Father. Then it will all be over. Now, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 8 says this, God, who at sundry times in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, he has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where he is. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where he is. Being made so much better than the angels, as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for under which of the angels did he say at any time, You are my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I'll be unto him a father. He shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he said, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he said, Who made his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the son, he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is, your, is the scepter of your kingdom. So even the father called him God because he was a son of God. And he placed him at his own right hand. The fact that the throne of God is in heaven, not on earth, is in direct accordance with the design of God for his son to rule all nations. This, my friends, is the only way it's possible for his throne to be in heaven and not on earth. For his subjects to know wherever they are, on any spot on this globe that we live, they can be under the authority 
of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's where he's ruling. Now, there's some other texts that, that would give us pause if we were to think that, that God is going to bring him back and put him on a literal physical throne in the city of Jerusalem. Now, and the reason I mention that is because that's generally what is said. And, and really it's a misunderstanding of what the Bible teaches as we've already seen. And it deprives us of things that we shouldn't be deprived of. And it certainly deprives him of the honor and glory that should be given to him all, all along. But, number one, we know that if he came off, if he got off the throne and came to this earth to rule on this earth, he'd be on the footstool instead of the throne. We know that. Those, those are plain texts that we read. There's also some other problems along this line, and that is that if he came back to uh, this earth, it would be in violation of what he said and to the woman at the well of Samaria, remember? He said, neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem will men worship God. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you're not going to worship him at a certain location. Follow? That's a problem. And there's another situation that that is if he came back to this earth to rule on this earth, he would not be qualified to do what he is now qualified to do. I want you to look with me at the book of Hebrews in chapter 8. Because not only was Jesus a king, but he was also a high priest. He's also our high priest. So in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 8, the, uh, the text is talking, starting to talk about the uh, priesthood, which was the Old Testament priesthood. In verse 1 it says, Of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum, we have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. The high priest, Jesus, who's the one that stands between man and God? He's our advocate. He's the one who pleads our cause. He is at the right hand of God. He's the high priest. But if he came back to this earth, he couldn't do that. I want you to see that. And I want you to look with me at verse 4. Because the text says, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest. Oops. So if you bring him back to the earth, he can't be a priest. I don't mean to be officious in this. I just, I just want us to see the problem that comes when we think that we, unless we actually somehow physically put Jesus on a throne on this earth, that he's not a king, that he's not on his throne. He is on his throne. And he is on his throne as a high priest. He is a priest and a king. That was what Melchizedek was. He says that he came in the spirit and the power. He came in the, in the embodiment of Melchizedek. Okay. We face the same questions that the Jews asked when they asked that question. They said, are you a king? Okay. That's our question. Are you a king? If you are a king, you need to be recognized as a king. Now, the difficulty we have when we can't actually see him in a parade, okay, that we cannot go to a certain town and actually see him with our physical eye sitting upon a throne with his scepter in his hand that we can't believe that he's there, that he's doing that. You see the problem? What we're doing when we talk about him being on this earth, coming to this earth and being a king, 
we're limiting his we're limiting his influence. We're, we're making him a local king, a regional king, a state king, a country king. He can't be a world king if he's in a on an earthly throne in a certain location on this earth. He can't rule that way. You see? And that gives us a problem. How do we know he's a king if we can't actually go up and, and bow our knee in front of him at his where he's sitting? How do you do that? Well, Paul said we walk by faith and not by sight. And you remember when when uh, when Thomas would not believe that Jesus had risen from the dead, he said, unless I can put my finger in the puncture marks of his hands, stick my hand in his side, I won't believe. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen but still believe. So that's the point, you see. I didn't see that. I didn't see him on the cross, and you didn't either. But I'll tell you, brother and sister, I believe it. I believe he was there. I believe with all of my heart. I did not have to see it with my eye. I read it in the Holy Scriptures. And all evidence, in all of man's historical documents, that's the one narrative that can't be overthrown. He did it. He was there. It happened. And we have documented evidence that that took place. I believe that. Now then, do I believe that Jesus is on his throne in heaven? I want to tell you right now, I can't see it. I can look up there and I can't see it. But I can believe it. If I believe God's word, I believe these texts tell me that he is on his throne right now. And he is the high priest. So I can, have, I can recognize that. Now that does not mean that everybody in the world has to recognize that. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords over all dominions. Now does that mean that everybody has to recognize that he is before he can reign? Does everybody have to be a Democrat before they can be a citizen of the United States? No. You can be whatever you want to be as long as you're under the authority of the United States government. You may disagree with everything they say or some of the things they say, but you're still a citizen. You see what I'm saying? Whether you agree that Jesus is on the throne or not does not depose him. You follow? And as a matter of fact, if you read your scriptures carefully, you'll know this, that there are few that are saved, not many. There are only few that are saved. So if you're waiting for everybody in this world to bow the knee and confess with their tongue that Jesus is Christ, all the world, if you're waiting for that, you're waiting for the wrong thing. Because those who bow the knee and confess with their tongue do so because, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, because they have the desire to do it. If you don't want to bow your knee, if you don't want to confess, He is not going to force you to. You follow? You don't want to bow your knee? Brother, that's up to you. But the Bible says, every knee shall bow. Every knee that does what? Every knee that acknowledges Him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Paul even told Timothy, he said, things are not going to get any better, they're going to get worse. Evil men shall wax worse and worse. Things are going to get worse, not better. So if we're waiting for things to get better, and you say, well, maybe if Jesus would come back and just do something else, 
make people get better. That's where, we, that's where we're having a problem with this. Chart number two here is we have re recognition, respect. Now, in order for a king to be a king, he has to have respect. Who, does, who respects Jesus Christ? Not those who blaspheme his name, obviously. The demons have no respect for him. They have grudging respect for him. But the, the enemies of Jesus have no respect for him, basically. But who respects him? The saints. Those who believe that he is the Son of God. Those who are on the throne. So instead of standing back and saying, I'll wait until everybody says that he's a king, you should step forward and say, Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. You should make it your statement. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe he's my king. And I believe he's on the throne right now. And he rules over me. And he rules over you whether you recognize it or not. And as a matter of fact, one of these days are going to come when those who do not believe that he is the Son of God, those who have not confessed his name, those who have not obeyed the gospel of Christ are going to be punished. They're going to be cast aside from him and have their part in the lake that burned with the fire and brimstone. That's what the Bible says. Revelation chapter 22. And deference. A king needs deference. That means someone has to say, you know what? I'm not going to use my judgment anymore. I'm going to use yours. When you, when you say something, I'm going to take it. We're, we're really having a problem with that right now, even among believers. Believers are having a problem with this business of abortion right now. They're having a problem with the business of homosexuality or transsexuality and all the sexual immoralities that are going on. They're having a, a problem with them because the world is saying, that's not bad. Well, out of difference, we have to look at the Bible and say, and let me tell you right now, I know a lot of people in my lifetime, relatives even, that were caught up in homophobia, being homophobic, what would you say? Practicing sexual activities that are prohibited by God. I've known a lot of them, and I love them dearly. I'll tell you right now. And I wish, I wish with all my heart that, that uh, they were not under God's condemnation. I wish that. I, I just, I just my, my heart is torn for them. But out of deference, I know what the Bible says, so I have to say, Lord, I have to, I have to agree with what you say. I agree with you. It's not my judgment, it's yours. So a king, in order for a king to be a king, he has to have recognition. People have to say, yes, he is a king. Well, what about people in Africa? Can people there say he's a king? How about people in Asia, Indonesia, China? Is there any place on this earth, in this whole world, where nobody can stand up and say, Jesus Christ is my king, and follow him. Give him the recognition, give him the respect, and give him the difference. Is there any place on this earth where that cannot be done, where someone cannot say, and someone cannot live, as if Jesus is their king, and the other kingdoms have no effect on them. Is there any place like that? This whole universe, it belongs to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, because He is on the throne at the right hand of God. And the time will come when He'll fold it all up. He'll fold it all up and deliver the kingdom back to His Father. 
that's, that's coming. But in the meantime, what about you? Is Jesus Christ your king? Is he your king now, or are you waiting for him to be a king? Follow me. The Bible says he is now. And you should enjoy that, and you should give him the glory and the honor and the deference that he deserves and the respect. Let's, let's stand and sing our song of invitation.